Hey everyone, Nadia Raymond here. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about another amazing podcast that you really should be listening to, Latino USA. It covers all sorts of topics, from life inside a bodega to why people leave Honduras to come to the U.S. Plus, if you listen to one of the latest episodes, you may recognize yours truly talking about offbeat music. Find Latino USA now at npr.org slash podcasts and on the NPR One app. Welcome to the StoryCorps podcast. I'm Michael Garofalo. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about something we've been doing here at StoryCorps for the past 10 years and something that we'll continue to do into the future. It's a New York-based project, although we do record in other places, especially in Washington, D.C. And the idea is to collect one interview for each person who was killed on September 11th, 2001. To do this, we partner with the National September 11th Memorial and Museum, So far, to date, we've recorded close to 1,400 interviews with family members, survivors, rescue workers, and other people whose lives were touched that day. All those interviews go into the archive at the Library of Congress that we're building, and they also live at the museum. So when you visit, some of the audio that you'll hear in the exhibits will be from StoryCorps interviews. It can be really, really hard for people to sit down and record these interviews, Survivors, for instance, often come in alone because they don't want to burden their loved ones with their memories. And for families of people who were killed that day, the actual recording can be difficult and painful, but it gives them a chance to leave a record of who that person was. And these conversations give us a sense of what was lost. Now, I want to play for you one of the first 9-11 interviews we ever did. It's a mother and father who lost their son. He worked at the Twin Towers, and he was just 22 years old. My name is John Lainung. I'm Elaine Lainung. I'm his wife. We're here at Grand Central Terminal to uh, talk about our son, Paul James Battaglia, who was um, killed on 9-11. His sister idolized him. Kristen, when she was a, a baby, she always used to save food for, for Paul. Anything she'd save. Whatever for she Paul. got, she'd save a, a piece, save something for Paul. And, and her first words were not even mommy or daddy, they were brabu. And you, you couldn't yell at Paul. It was, my Paul. Leave my Paul alone. Right. Yes. <laughs> if you would try to scold him, she, she would come to his defense. When the first plane hit, I thought, maybe it was a commuter plane. And then I thought, oh, great. It's hit, like, right smack where Paul's office is. I hope to God he's not at his desk. I knew that if anything happened, the first thing Paul would do would call my dad. Uh, he was the firstborn grandson, very, very close with my father. They would go shopping together. They would go get haircuts together. And I just knew that he would call my dad and then me. And uh, I called my dad and asked if he heard from Paul, and he said no. And then I said, well, turn on the TV. And uh, my dad said, Elaine, we lost him. That's right where his office is, where the plane hit. And I called John. And I said, I don't know what we'll do. But it looks like he's gone. I just kept hoping that it was because the first one had hit a little, you know, before nine. I, I just kept hoping that you know maybe he was still down in the lobby or no, he in had an elevator early because he had a meeting and he left whistling that morning. He was very happy. He was going to his meeting. He was going to work. In fact, I was going to ask him to wait for me to ride the train with him because I loved to sit next to him on the train. I loved to smell his aftershave. We had such a happy night the night before. September 10th, 2001. We were joking and laughing, and I actually 
was so happy when I went to sleep that night. That's the thing that got me afterwards. I had no premonition. You think that you should know something horrible is going to happen to your child that day. And I was so happy that night, thinking that um, I had such a nice family and such a good life. And I was truly blessed. And then 12 hours later, it was very different. And I'll miss them until I die. That's John and Elaine Leinen remembering their son, Paul J. Battaglia. Now, we're going to hear about the man whose death certificate bears the number one. It's Father Michael Judge. He was a Franciscan friar, a chaplain to the New York City Fire Department, and a true New York character. Born in Brooklyn, Michael seemed to know everyone in the city, from the homeless to the mayor. The morning of September 11th, Father Michael, because he was the fire chaplain, arrived at the World Trade Center shortly after the first plane hit. Bill Cosgrove, who was a police lieutenant, was also there. And when the first tower collapsed, Cosgrove and a group of firefighters emerged from the dust, carrying Father Michael's body. At that very moment, a photographer, Shannon Stapleton, snapped a picture which would become an iconic image of that day. Five men carrying a fallen priest slouched in a chair, the tragedy's first official victim. Now, we're going to hear from Bill Cosgrove. He's going to remember the events leading up to that famous photograph. After that, we'll hear from Father Michael Duffy, who's remembering Michael Judge's funeral service. I went a couple of steps and I hit something and I told the fire chief that somebody was on the floor and he put the light on him and I remember him saying, oh my God, it's Father Mike. He checked his vital signs and he said, he's dead. So we all picked him up. We went up the steps and I remember looking up because one of the firemen was yelling at a photographer. He was telling him in no uncertain terms, get out of the way. I I didn't even think about that picture being taken. It was just doing my job. It just, so many other heroic acts were being done all around me. It's just that no one took a picture of it. The next day, when I came back into the precinct, somebody showed me the picture, and uh, I got a lot of calls from people that knew Michael Judge, firemen. They assumed I knew him, you know, but I, I didn't until that day. He's always been on my mind ever since then because it's my firm belief that the only reason I'm here today is because of him. I know that sounds weird, but everybody you see in that picture was saved. And uh, I'm sure had he not been there, I would have been trying to look for other people And when that North Tower fell, I would have been right in the middle of it, just like the rest of the firemen were and some of my cops. But 
Nothing was gonna happen that day. At least not to me. My name is Father Michael Duffy, and I am a Franciscan brother to Father Michael Judge. We Franciscans are a little odd, and one of our oddities is there's a form we fill out. It's called On My Death. It says where you want your funeral mass to be, who you want to do the homily, and et cetera, like that. So 9-11 happened on a Tuesday. Well, the next day, the phone rang, and it was our provincial in New York. And he said, Michael wanted you to do the homily. And I said, well, yes, but this is different. It should be someone with a little more import, so I think you should do it. And there was a long pause, and he said, but Michael wanted you. So, I mean, what are you going to say to that? Family and friends of Michael Judge, good morning, everyone. I said to myself, when I see Michael, I'm going to kill him. (laughs) I stand in front of you and honestly feel that the homilist at Mother Teresa's funeral had it easier than I do. There were 3,000 people at his funeral. Church wasn't big enough to hold him there outside. Bill Clinton was there. Hillary Clinton, all New York. And the moment arrived, I stood up and I reached in to get my glasses and I couldn't get to the pocket because my vestment was covering them. Thank goodness I'd practice it because I couldn't read it. He loved to bless people. And I mean physically, even if they didn't ask. A little old lady would come up to him and he'd put his big, thick Irish hands and press the head till I think the poor woman would be crushed. Everyone thought that Michael Judge was their best friend. He'd remember significant things in their life. And he would write a little note, just one or two lines. Of course, they'd write him back. So he had a big black satchel filled with letters to answer. He would say to me once in a while, Michael Duffy, He always called me by my full name. Michael Duffy, you know what I need? And I would get excited because it was hard to buy him a present or anything. I'd say, no, what? You know what I really need? No, what, Mike? Absolutely nothing. I don't need a thing in the world. I am the happiest man on the face of the earth. Why am I so blessed? I don't deserve it. Michael Judge's body was the first one released from ground zero. His death certificate has the number one on the top. Of the thousands of people who perished in that terrible Holocaust, why was Michael Judge number one? And I think I know the reason. Michael's goal and purpose in life was to bring the firemen to the point of death so they would be ready to meet their maker. Michael Judge could not have ministered to them all. It was physically impossible in this life. In the next few weeks, we're going to have name after name of people who are being brought out of that rubble. And Michael Judge is going to be on the other side of death to greet them instead of send them there. And so this morning, we come to bury Mike Judge's body, but not his spirit. We come to bury his voice, but not his message. We come to bury his hands, but not his good works. We come to bury his heart, but not his love, never his love.
You've been listening to the homily from Father Michael Judge's funeral on September 15th, 2001. It was given by his friend and fellow Franciscan, Father Michael Duffy. Before that, you heard from Bill Cosgrove, one of the men in the iconic photo of Father Michael Judge that was taken on 9-11. You can hear hundreds of other stories on our website, storycorps.org. For the StoryCorps podcast, I'm Michael Garofalo. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, it's me again, Nadia Raymond, reminding you to check out another great podcast, Latino USA. You'll be glad you did.